Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with Tanya Dantis. Tanya is a Mexican-American expat living in Germany, and she is a licensed therapist. So she was the perfect guest for this episode, Weltschmerz and Therapy. So Weltschmerz, for those of you who haven't seen the word on a viral BuzzFeed listicle of untranslatable words, <laughs> Weltschmerz is a German word which combines the word world, Welt, with the word for pain, Schmerz. So what do we get? Weltschmerz, the pain of the world, this, this world weariness that we sometimes get when the weight of it all just kind of comes down upon us and we just feel overwhelmed. Yeah, so uh, that's something I've been experiencing a lot in the past couple years, and I think a lot of people all over the world have also been feeling it, because it's a weird time, guys. It's just weird. And it's all weirder when you live far away from your home, from this place where the current events are happening. Of course, there are current events happening in the place where you live now, but for me at least, the ones back home always hit me the hardest, and I really wanted to talk with someone about yeah, how how they feel about that, how they deal with that. And Tanya stepped up to the plate and really knocked it out of the park. I use a lot of baseball metaphors, don't I? Uh, weird. Anyway, yeah, so thanks to Tanya, we were able to combine this conversation around Weltschmerz with a conversation around therapy and give some further tips to finding a therapist, especially if you are here in Germany as well. And yeah, as you'll hear, we recorded this a couple weeks before the election, right around when there was a string of politically motivated violence around the U.S., and it's being released right after the U.S. election. <laughs> so, of course, that's something that's on my mind and something that's inspiring this conversation. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the results, but I did want to take a moment and highlight something that has really touched me, and that is that this midterm election brought in a huge wave of firsts that I think are awesome, and I want to read some out to you. So we're going to have nearly 100 women in the House of Representatives. We've got the first Native American women in Congress, as well as the first Muslim women, the first openly gay man elected governor, first female senator from Tennessee and from Arizona, first female governor from South Dakota and from Maine, first Latina congresswoman in Texas, first lesbian mom in Congress, and the first black woman both in the Massachusetts House of Representatives as well as the Connecticut House of Representatives. So that is a lot. And that's something for me that, you know, as I'm I'm digesting this news and, and figuring out how I feel about it and figuring out how to handle it, that's something that really made me pause and say, hey, you know what? That's pretty freaking cool. So with that in mind, let's launch into our conversation with Tanya. My name is Tanya Dantes, and I was born in Mexico City, and then I grew up in California. I've also lived in New York City, and then I I went back to Mexico, but now I've been living here in Freiburg, Germany for three years. Yeah, Yeah. great. And we are... Oh man, we had so many things we wanted to talk about and then a lot of stuff happened on the news and we kind of made a switch. So mm-hmm. what we wanted to sit down today to talk about, so we're recording this on the 30th of October and I'm going to release it right after election time. So the topic that's on my mind a lot right now is reacting to news from back in the States while being far away. So last week in the US, there was three really bad big things. So one was a man sent... 
homemade bombs to a bunch of different democratic leaders or supporters. A man tried to enter a black church and shoot the members of the congregation, couldn't get in and instead went to a grocery store and shot two black people. And there was a man who went into a synagogue and shot and killed 11 Jewish people. So it's all just been a lot. (laughs) And we're all just trying to digest it. And it's tough. It's just tough. I hate when these things happen no matter what. And I feel it's hard to figure out how to how to handle it all when you're from a distance. For me, I find it a lot easier in many ways to, to handle bad news from far away. But it also comes with this additional layer of, you know, what's going to happen now is, is when you meet new people, you know, the next couple days, next week, they find out you're American. A lot of them are going to be like, hey, so how do you feel about this or that? Or what's going on with all these shootings? And all of a sudden, you're going to have to be speaking not only for your own experience of grief with this whole process, but also for your whole country. Yeah, people are, you know, grieve in different ways and... It can be really hard to be far away and not feel like you're around your family and friends, but it's also gives you the distance to be able to see things a little more, yeah, with objectivity. And I don't know, sometimes I think it makes me more prone to be able to do something that actually helps because I'm not just in the reaction. It's like, I feel like I can see a little more clearly and I'm a little further from it. Yeah, I remember one of the big ones for me was the shooting at Marjorie Douglas High School um, back in February of 2018 so it was just awful it was a a gunman walked into a high school and and shot and killed a bunch of teenagers and and their teachers and then the next day I went to work at a library that was an American cultural center and so people like there were at least one or two people that seemed to specifically come in because they wanted to see what people were thinking and feeling about that Mm -hmm. event with some German people who were like okay here's my book back and hey by the way what's up with the shooting for me it feels very uh, I don't I don't know how to talk to you about the complexities behind what's happening in that moment because I think sometimes I feel like the reaction some people want is yeah and this is my take on gun laws Mm -hmm. (laughs) whereas my real reaction is more like there's so many layers to what gets us to a point where things like this are happening that I don't I mean I can tell you my opinion on gun laws but I don't know how helpful it is or how how representative of the entire conversation that really is yeah I mean I think that there's a piece that's definitely an emotional response that we each each of us has and we're all touched by this and then there's the whole mental world of like the politics and the opinions that we have that's a different conversation yeah I mean I propose a way of bringing them together I'm a psychotherapist as you know so like this is my life the motto of the university I went to was tending the soul of the world And I feel, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like what I hear you saying is, you know, this touches on the soul of the world. And this aspect of ourselves, which we could call Germany, wants to know, well, what do you think about this aspect of yourself, U.S., that's having all this violence? What's going on with that, right? Because it's clear that this, this kind of thing does not happen all over the world. Kids don't go into their schools and shoot people. Like, there's something clearly happening, and it can bring a lot of shame on the one hand right like a lot of people feel ashamed of what's happening and so then that quiets that can lead people to quiet down and and shut up about that because they feel ashamed right Um, and helplessness comes in too and that also leads to just sort of sighing and sitting back yes definitely and then there's just like the the trauma of the reaction of like feeling like oh my god i'm in grief i'm having this moment i can't even talk right now and so the 
approach I propose is, is coming in with soul. Like it's not just an intellectual exercise, but it's about acknowledging how it does impact us, how it is connected to us, because that's like really the heart and the soul of where we can make a difference wherever we may be. What does that look like, I guess? How does one reach that level or reach that moment? Does it look different for everyone? It looks a little different for everyone, sure. I call it shadow work. I'm not the first one to talk about it. Jung, Carl Jung talked about shadow work and the heart of the work comes from from him. And then lots of people have done work after him around it. But basically it's about looking at like every every quality has a shadow and a light aspect. If we think of a leader who's, you know, really big leader and charismatic and really can direct a lot of people, there's a lot of light there, you know, like that's amazing. But then there's a lot of shadow aspects which can come into play, which are use of power or manipulation and things like that. And every single archetype or energy or type of person has a light and a shadow, right? And so what we're seeing, you know, US, like the land of diversity, the land founded by immigrants and like all of this stuff has so much light. And yet the shadow is all of this intolerance that's underneath. Like, yes, a lot of us diverse live together, but kind of hate each other sometimes. And so like that needs, that's coming out. Yeah, coexistence doesn't always mean that we've reached some kind of like enlightenment or full acceptance of every person as an individual and not stereotyping or grouping people together. I mean, (laughs) you see it so often in the US, even in cities where people are packed together so closely, we still find ways to separate ourselves amongst groups of like-minded people, people of similar backgrounds and things like this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is an easy one single layered issue at all. I don't (laughs) want to make it out to be that because I mean soul is not that one thing that I heard you asking is like how do we practically do this work and so one thing is just acknowledging the qualities that I see like in this particular instance these three instances that happened last week what I see is a high intolerance for another person's beliefs or skin color or just being quote-unquote different from me And so what I would do, obviously the reaction, like the emotional gut reaction is like, how could they? That's horrible. And there is an aspect of like, no matter how much some people might feel intolerant, they would never go out and kill another person, right? But I think another important mature step is to see where am I being intolerant? I I know that for me, the move to Germany has been really hard, for example, and sometimes it really pushes my buttons and getting intolerant of their, you know, of other people's intolerance. Like when I'm not doing something the quote unquote German way and I get scolded, I get like really mad at like, why do they have to be so rigid or why do they, you know, why are they so cold or why this? And I've been exploring how those qualities are actually gifts too and like I can incorporate them into my life and integrate them into my life and they can be beneficial to me so see the light in those qualities and thus become more tolerant and appreciative of those qualities in another and how they can help me. The example that always comes to my mind with immigrant or expat frustration in Germany is paperwork and the way it's so bureaucratic here and you have to go through so many seemingly completely silly and arbitrary hoops And we talk about that on the show all the time. I mean, I vent about it all the time and all of my guests, you know, we all like bond together over our, our stories in that, in that aspect. But something you and I had talked about is how 
we both sort of reached a point where we managed to turn that into an empowering opportunity. So, so that was something that stood out to me as a negative, but then over time you can find your way to bring the, maybe that was more of the shadow, but then you find the light in that. And so it is so bureaucratic, but then look at these opportunities I'm given all the time to, to learn how to stand up for myself, to learn how to to express my needs and to make sure that they're being met and, and, and taking that on myself. It's not someone else's responsibility to figure that out for me, it's mine. I mean, these are great opportunities and it comes from a super frustrating experience, but but you mm-hmm. can you can turn the bad into light. And I think that's something that we all think about a lot. How can we turn a negative situation into a positive? But there's also, you know, what you're saying, like how do we take these these positive things and address the negatives that are underneath like how do we take America's wonderful diversity and look at the fact that that doesn't mean that we're doing a great job with it it's hard to go through and think about like you said yeah where are our own prejudices or where are our own areas of intolerance right yeah and and so what I what is missing from what I'm saying perhaps is that a lot of the women I work with so as a a women's empowerment coach I work a lot with women and women at least the ones I work with they they tend to feel they tend to hold back a lot and they don't share their full voice and like really take a stand for their beliefs sometimes and so I I feel like the more we're able to own both the light and the shadow, then we're able to see they can own their leadership and like speak out about issues and tides would turn in the US if everyone was really owning their voice. If every quote unquote minority was speaking out and speaking up, really taking a stand, not violently, but like in the light, like really just owning their power. I think that is one thing that has happened in the past couple of years in the States that you see more and more of. And that's partially just due to social media, giving people a platform to, to share their voice. And it's also people saying different aspects of the Trump administration have felt like personal attacks and that's inspired them to stand up and say something. And I think that's something that we're trying to figure out how to deal with. Like, I don't think people are used to so many people from the side of the room stepping up in the center and saying, no, this is how it's been for me. And this is how I think and feel. And learning how to listen to that is tough. Yeah. And that's also learning how to listen. I feel like it's another key aspect of all this because it's so important to be able to nurture each other, to be able to have these tough conversations and to look inwards and find these, these shadows within ourselves, but then to accept and acknowledge other people when they're sharing theirs and not saying your X, Y, or Z negative label that I'm tempted to label you. You know, I remember there was like a gut response. Anyone who voted for Trump was a racist. That was something that came out right after the election, they thought, how did this happen? You know, if anyone was willing to vote for Trump, they were willing to accept the risk of him being, he'd he'd said some things that seemed pretty negative about certain groups of people, you know, about immigrants, about black people, like all of these things that it was like, okay, so those are representing racist ideals. And if anyone was willing to vote for him, they must have been willing to accept that. And that ergo makes them racist. And there was a lot of like finger pointing and name calling and I mean, like, were some people in it because they agreed with those beliefs and maybe they, it is appropriate to label them racist? Sure. But was every single person who voted in that direction, whatever label you want to give them? Like, I don't think so. I think we need to be 
doing a better job of listening and saying, okay, they voted for abortion rights, for a Supreme Court, for whatever it might have been, which doesn't inherently make them a racist, a homophobic, a sexist, a xenophobe, whatever. I mean, that's something I've been trying to do better on my part is listening and trying to understand more complexly rather than just writing it off with like a simple term, you know? Yeah, so I like what you're saying about listening. I think listening, as we saw with the Blasey word and Kavanaugh case, you really direly needed a skill I love the term checks and balances like this whole shadow work that I was proposing is a check and balance I love it when our government really does have checks and balances I think it's really important for all of us humans I myself in my life take care to have checks and balances in my life to have people who lovingly can reflect to me where I'm off base and where I'm doing really well and so that I can continue to grow myself as a person and I think that's especially important for people in leadership positions to have checks and balances because they have so much power and we're giving them power. But I think there's a huge abuse of power, especially right now in the US and the checks and balances are completely off. And listening is a check and balance in a sense, in essence, because you're you're not just writing off what the person is reflecting to you and the feedback that person is giving to you. You're actually allowing yourself to take it in. You don't have to agree with it always, but you are allowing yourself to see that person and to consider their perspective. I think listening skills are something we could all benefit to to develop for sure. So let's talk about what are some things that we all can do. So as I said, this episode's coming out two days after the US election, and we have a ton of American listeners. We don't know how that's going to turn out. And I also don't know how every individual listening feels about what they want out of this. So everyone, you know, a lot of people are going to be upset one way or the other. (laughs) How do we, looking towards that future, how do we prepare ourselves to deal with future current events in a healthier way? And how do we work towards making an individual change that can create a healthier society in those ways? One aspect is that inner work. We have a society that is completely an accomplishment-oriented society, right? I mean, it's not like my opinion. It's a pretty objective truth that... We have an accomplishment-oriented society, and that's great. But as we can see from the environment and different things around us, you know, burnout, all these other phenomena, that we also need to learn how to slow down. And when these things happen, like elections like the tragedies that happened last week from when we're recording this all of that kind of stuff I think we need to take time to reflect to connect with our own personal values to see what's happening outside to consider what can I do at least what baby step can I take that would help me express and live my values and leave a legacy that's aligned Not just go into the grind of the everyday and mindless, okay, again, do that and make money and that, but actually leave something that's of value. And you work on things like this in your psychotherapy. So do you want to give us some tips on that end? Yes, because living here in Germany and it's like a new system and like, how do you find a psychotherapist? Some of you listening may have never gone to a psychotherapist, whether it's in the US, wherever. So yes, I wanted to give some tips for that. If you've never been to a therapist, and you're out shopping for a therapist, it's really important to know that you're at choice. Like it should be someone that you feel really comfortable with. This is like the most intimate kind of doctor. It's like a doctor of the soul type of thing and of your mind and of your emotions. So it should be someone who really you feel like you can trust and that you feel at ease with and that you you look forward to going in and talking to them. 
A lot of people that I know go to someone and they don't really feel a connection, but they keep going because they have no idea. No one ever showed them that they have permission to go to a few and really find one that really works for them. It's the first tip. Find someone who clicks. Yes. And so here in Germany, you're allowed to go have a, like what they call like a probatorische Sprechstunde, like a trial sitting with like a couple different therapists to really see and connect and make sure that it works out. Insurance will pay for a therapy. Sometimes it can be hard to find an English speaking therapist that takes insurance right away, but then you can also apply if you find a therapist who doesn't have a contract with the Krankenkasse. They don't have that. You can find one that's out of network and apply with your insurance provider for them to pay for it. I've had to do that a couple times because it's like I click with one, but they're out of network, and so then we process it. (laughs) As with so many things, the initial no doesn't actually mean impossible. It just means we got to find another way in. (laughs) Exactly, yes. And that really goes out for potential psychotherapists out there. I mean, I came with an MA in counseling psychology, and I was certain that I would be able to easily get approbation, which is the permission to be a psychotherapist here, and think again, because it was not quite like that. And, And no website really had a very clear outline of what I was supposed to do. So I really just connected with other foreign therapists and they helped me. Now I've been here three years and I do have permission to do psychotherapy and then I have a lawyer to do that probations process. And yeah, I mean, don't give up because think all the people that are here from the US, from other places that, you know, they they need someone who understands the process. It's different to speak English than to like have gone through the process of migrating here. And I think it opens up doors and it's a way of advocating for for both for people to be able to get English speaking therapy or mother language therapy and for foreign therapists to be able to get their approbation a little bit easier. Yeah, there's such a need for more foreign therapists and there's so many barriers to them getting to the point where they can fill that need, which is again, one of those areas where it's easy to stand out as like a negative, but it's a process and it's one that that people are working through. Exactly, exactly. Like it would have been so easy for me to feel like I should give up, but it turned into one of those light things. Exactly. Again, for me, which was like, well, now I'm really going to do this because it is hard. So not everyone does it and we need that more. I mean, I've had to see therapists online sometimes because I could not find one that I felt really was a click for a while here. And I just saw one in my own home country and I saw them via Skype, which was also, I don't know if that's a tip, but just yeah. like side note there. You um, can do that. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even think about it as an option. <laughs> exactly. It's true. It's true. It's like you have to really get creative yeah. <laughs> and like get your needs met. And, and, and like last but not least, like it's so normal to need support. I have a lot of people who call me and they feel guilty getting support because they feel like, well, I don't really have problems. Like I have a good work and a good, you know, partner, but it's just been hard moving here and I have stuff I want to talk about. And I'm like, that's so valid. That is enough for a therapy. You don't have to have what you call real problems, quote unquote, you know, like that's enough of a reason. And taking care of yourself is a way to be preventative and avoid it escalating into a bigger problem later. For sure. And I think that's something... 
there's so much shiny, beautiful content out there on the internet about moving abroad and living in Europe. So I think a lot of times before the move, it's just like these hard eye emoji feelings of like, oh, I'm gonna do this. And then you, you do it and you eventually get like the reality catches up to you and you're like, I mean, it is that sometimes, but it's also a lot of sitting in offices, fighting with people in a language you're not great at. And it's plenty. It is plenty. <laughs> there, there's not a bar for like a minimum threshold for who qualifies for therapy like everyone does. But if there were... Even by virtue of moving, no matter how comfortable you are with it, no matter, uh, you know, how many times you've moved before, like, it's enough. Totally. And there's there's this idea here in Germany that they tend to be very supportive of programs for immigrants that are about getting into the job market or learning German. But they don't really have anything that addresses the cultural differences and, like, adjusting emotionally and psychologically. The emphasis is, again, on the accomplishments. And, you know, that has its light. But a friend from Argentina, she started a program here in Freiburg for women who speak Spanish. And we do workshops, because my first language is Spanish. We do a workshop in Spanish for women. It's called Being Happy in German, Ser Feliz en Alemania. And it's about how do you do it? How, how do you adjust to living here? And I think that happens more than we'd care to admit. Like there's a lot of adjustment issues that happen. I think we think that Germany is so close to the U.S. culture. Like we think it's not so different, but it's pretty different. I always find it's deceptively similar. Like on the surface, you can you can come through on a vacation and think it's really not that different, which makes it have this level of comfort and ease that I find is very deceptive. And the longer you stay, the more you're like peeling away these layers and seeing, oh gosh, there are so many slight, tiny little differences that make a world of difference. Right. And do you see how like that's the perfect bridge or segue into like what we were talking about earlier about the the differences and like how do we deal with differences? Yeah. It's such a perfect topic for expats and what is happening in the States. Like we can be models or like shining lights or pillars of how it is to embrace that difference. It's so hard to swallow because it's like really embodying it and like living it in our life by adjusting to living here or you know learning how to embrace it and set boundaries so that we can like honor our own spaces and our own selves and our own ways all the while being receptive to other people's ways for sure (laughs) i i've recently embarked on year two of living in germany and i feel like so far year two is a lot of me noticing my like american spirit coming out you know and like i'm having a moment right now where i want to be like and you know thinking of coming back to where we we launched our conversation of like how do we deal with current events as an expat one thing that stands out to me right now is these issues have been there the whole time like there's never been a moment where they weren't there they've been better masked in the past but they were there and it is helpful to have these dark things thrown into the light. You know, these, these quote unquote shadows are now really visible and that's terrible. And I so wish that it didn't have to be this way, but it is this way. And one thing that we can do to make that into a positive is, is to take that as an opportunity to look it in the eye and say, oh, now the light's on in this room that I knew I had in my house, but I've never actually looked at. Yeah. And now I can look around and, and figure out what to do with it. Yeah, the invitation is for consciousness. It is coming into the light, which I agree is really horrible in one sense, but it's it's a positive thing. 
but the way we do it can be just so different. The way if we each take consciousness and awareness and responsibility of our own stuff, our own prejudices, our own racism, our own biases, our own intolerances, and learn how to communicate in nonviolent ways and listen better to the other and host conversations like this one, you know, where we may not see eye to eye on every single issue, but yet we're able to come together. I mean, maybe we do. I'm not saying like specifically <laughs> with you, but you know, like where we come together and talk about difficult things and do that with another and then with another and allow space in our culture for more than just surface, hey, how are you? What's going on? You know, like yeah. everything's fine. There's you know? that not so funny truth about the first holiday season after Trump was elected where a lot of people felt like, oh God, now I'm going home to the same family I've had Thanksgiving with since I was a kid. But all of a sudden you're finding out that like this uncle feels this way and that cousin is feeling the other way. And, you know, everyone's strong opinions came out in full force. And it was just like, you know, in years past, maybe you just ate your Thanksgiving dinner and talked about the nice things in life and avoided anything deep but the last couple of years it's been there you can't avoid it I mean you can try but good luck and why <laughs> why are you avoiding it and so I, I just remember that being this, this thing I worked at a college campus at the time and everyone's you know packing up and going home for the holidays but there was this look in everyone's eyes of just like strap up your seatbelt and then let's let's hope we get through it but it's an opportunity in and of itself and some people would come back and be like oh god I just found out that my my brother is is a Bernie supporter and wants to bring a lot more social programs to the state. And my other, my, my sister is really on board for like Trump's agenda and, and maybe I feel somewhere in the middle or, you know, whatever the situation might be, it just was clear. And it was like, okay, and what do we do? Do I cut someone off because we disagree on things? Do I shut that down and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong and not listen to them? Or do we come to a point where we say, hey, okay, let's figure out why you feel these ways and why I feel these ways, and how we can come to a better understanding of each other and the world, and just have some more food for thought. <laughs> yeah, I can't even believe the number of, of people who call me up and say, this is my problem, I have to go back home to the States for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, and I'm really scared because living abroad, I've really come into my own, and I just cannot take going back and facing my family who is completely right or and they don't know how to respond to that like how how do I deal with with someone who who is very racist because I think one thing is to talk about having different political views but another is views that don't respect another person and I think that's a key point because for a long time we talk about well it's okay to have different views yeah but sometimes some views are denying of another person are denying another person's existence and that's I I don't think that's okay no, that's yeah. so key. Yeah, I actually just had a conversation yesterday with someone about how important it is to call things what they are. There's a lot of complicated political stuff happening in Germany right now and in Freiburg right now. And it's so important to use the right words at the right time. It's like there's here, there's a lot of you're a Nazi being thrown around and there's a lot of you're a communist being thrown around when these groups are not necessarily that. And you got to call it what it is because if someone is, for instance, racist, that is denying another person's life and being but if 
someone is sharing some political views with another person who who is racist that does it, it's not it's not contractable like a disease or something we have to call things what they are so you can deal with them as they are you know even i can so relate to what your clients are saying about going back to the states and not knowing how to handle that like when you leave the u.s and you start to realize that yeah shootings and bombings and stuff like that aren't very normal especially not in first world countries that statement can be shocking for people regardless of any opinions they might have in the u.s i'm not saying people are totally blind and think that it's normal everywhere like i think people in the u.s know that it's not super normal everywhere but i think there's a different awareness of once you get that distance looking at it from a global perspective and saying like no it, it is not normal to say i am anti-semitic and i'm gonna go shoot up a synagogue like that's not normal in any way that's not okay in any way and the fact that there have been so many shootings that precede that that sort of dull down people's shock sensors that's also not normal. And even just saying that can be such somehow like a political statement that it's hard to know where to start. And when you get this like expat perspective and then you try to go back and you aren't trying to offend anyone and you're not trying to come off as some kind of holier than thou person, it, it's tricky. Yeah, that's where it really, you know, psychotherapy really supports people because it can be tricky to stand in our power when there's a lot of family systems that only one person in the household has the power or children don't have a say or it's less than or not quite equal as the parents or, you know, all these kinds of things. These come into factor here and can be hard to really take a stand for something and know how to do it and stay loving like one can take a stand but taking a stand can also mean that if the other person does not respect our stand we are going to have to take some space and that can be really hard for some of us to come to terms with and that yeah I understand it's it's, there's no easy peasy answers for all of this stuff. Which is why I'm glad that we've also put plenty of ideas and tips for getting a psychotherapist or any kind of therapist that's going to work for you. Yeah, I think there is a certain weirdness to thinking that something as simple as going home for the holidays, I, I think you get taught to think like, oh, that's not uh, some kind of traumatic event. Like, that's just what you do. And like anyone who's had a family, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Families are always dramatic events to some extent. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's just good to reiterate like, yep, that's that's enough. That's plenty. And it, and it is more complicated when you've lived far away. And there is a lot of pride in America. And it is hard for a lot of people in America to not take someone's move abroad personally, which of course then shuts down the roads for communication. And that's really, I think, the main thing that we're saying in this episode is like, let's, let's open up the roads of communication within ourselves, unto others, with the world. Let's take these terrible things that are happening and look at them straight on in the light. I love that. Yeah, opening up the roads of communication with ourselves and with others. Yeah, like it's a little deeper conversations than maybe we even grew up with. Like maybe no one ever acknowledged, you know, how do you really feel about something? It was just take a stand, but not like, how do you feel about it? Or And so it can feel weird and that's okay. It's so normal. And the important thing is to get out of that comfort zone and, and give it a try. Exactly. I was just thinking as you're saying that it is a skill. And if you haven't, practiced it and you haven't been taught it why would you know it why would you be good at doing that so if you do try to open up those communications and find that didn't go well you know this this resulted in some kind of fallout or whatever it might be sure fine that's part of the process too so again communicating listening forgiving yeah being compassionate with yourself like you would with a child learning how to walk or learning how to do a new skill like you said be patient and loving with yourself 
and others yeah. as we're learning. For all of you listening out there, wherever you lay on the political spectrum or whatever, that you really were able to take something out of it for yourself. So with that, then we will round the corner, head to home with our ending segment, Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to answer without thinking, overthinking. It's going to be a bit of a weird little shift in tone because we just talked about serious things and these are not very serious at all. So <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> all right. What is the best TV show that you've been watching in 2018? Brooklyn 99. Ah, I've heard good things about it recently. <laughs> My husband and I, it's like our, with all the crazy stuff that happens, we need some comedy sometimes and it's just like our go-to. That's great. All right. You're sitting down on a transatlantic flight. They come around for the drink orders. What do you order? Transatlantic flight. Oh my God. All that comes to mind is from last night, I was watching this thing that this woman got a, a guava mimosa and it was like the best thing in the world. Whoa. That sounds pretty good. I'll take one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and would you rather have an unlimited supply of mashed potatoes or of stuffing? Depends on the stuffing, but I'm going to go with stuffing. It's a gamble. You don't know which one it'll be. Yeah, I, I I think I'll go with the stuffing. You could get more variety, you know? True. Like so many different kinds. You know, some people put the cranberries. I don't eat pork, but it would be yeah. just some kind of, yeah, go with variety. stuffing. Good. Yeah. Great. That was my Thanksgiving themed question since we're heading into Thanksgiving season. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Those are your XXX and that's our episode. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your insights and tips and just having a great conversation. Sure. Now I'm getting hungry for stuffing. So I'm gonna... <laughs> thank you so much for having me on here. It was so great connecting with you. There you have it, folks. Weltschmerz and therapy. Thank you again to Tanya for coming on the show. Tanya wrote up a great explanation of her three tips, which is in the show notes. And there you can also find links to Tanya's website, her Facebook, her Instagram. Definitely feel free to reach out with questions for her about seeking therapy or even to see if she might be the right match for you. Thank you as always to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in life and in podcasting. And thank you to Amy Lungby Art for the logo. Thank you to Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. And you can find us on Instagram too while you're at it. We're at the expatcast. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, also at The Expat Cast. Please go ahead and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or on your podcast app of choice. Those are always great to see, and it helps us reach a wider audience of people who might also find this information helpful. Next week, we'll be back in your feeds with a guest who describes herself as a German expat living in Germany. So how does that happen? <laughs> You'll have to wait till next week to find out. <laughs> have a great week until then. 